When he's on it, he's on it, man. Woo. If you did not hear it, you should hear it. Um, he probably could have preached another hour, and I would have been fine with it. Don't tell him that either. So last Sunday, or not last Sunday, last time I spoke, we talked about the great commandment um, and kind of continuing that series of um, your first love. Your first love. It's not, it's not your spouse. It's not that rugged Canadian mountain with good looks who just happens to walk into that town on your Hallmark movie. I'm talking to you, Owen. No, it's, it's the Lord. So uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Now when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they assembled together, and one of them, an expert in religious law, so a biblical expert, asked the question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Watch this. The second is like it. So he just elevates the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament, depend on these two commandments. So we talked about how we need to be careful because personal idols in our lives can slowly start to replace our first love. When Jesus is not our first love, we start suffering from the symptoms of this world. Nothing seems to quench our thirst. Nothing seems to satisfy our hunger. And nothing seems to bring true fulfillment. Everything seems to taste like ash. One of these symptoms is an inability to love others. Both are related and connected. You first must love God before you can love others. You can't truly love others, for that matter yourself, if you don't love God. The first commandment has to be followed before the one like it can be followed. Love thy neighbor. The challenge with these statements is, what does that look like? How do we love God and what does that entail? And we talked about how children, careers, opinions of others, parents, siblings, health, aspirations, all become idols in our life. These things are not bad. They're not terrible. You're supposed to be treating your kids with respect. You're supposed to, you know, want to do well in your job. However, when they're placed where Jesus is supposed to be, it becomes dangerous. Nothing wrong with safety for your kids. But when it supersedes God and you don't do what God wants, then it becomes an idol in your life. Um, again, I, I want to talk about the second commandment. Again, I have to re- reiterate, there are literally volumes upon volumes of books written on this subject. Karl Barth, a great theologian, he wrote five volumes, not books, volumes on this. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and try to talk about it in the next 20 minutes. So just a tall order there. However, it was stated by Donald Hagner that the love of neighbor is such that love is constant and takes no regard of the perceived merit, 
or worth of the other person. Second commandment. First, love of God, on the other hand, is to be understood as a matter of reverence, commitment, and obedience. The question is that we need to love our neighbor, but that we, we have to constantly ask the question is, who is my neighbor, and what does it mean to love them? If we take a closer look at the book of Luke, it kind of gives us an idea of who this neighbor is supposed to be. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said to him, so this is after we kind of read it already, um, about, you know, the greatest commandment, love thy neighbor. And, of course, the religious law person, the biblical expert, comes in and questions Jesus. And he says, he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But the expert, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him up and went off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road But when he saw the injured man, he passed by on the other side. He could be dead. Don't want to be unclean. So to a Levite, where he came up to the place and saw him, passed him by the other side. But a Samaritan, who was traveling, came to where the injured man was. And when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring olive oil and wine on them. Very expensive. Then he put him on his own animal. So he had to walk, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, putting his own money into this, and gave him to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever else you spend, I will repay you when I come back this way. Now, which of these three do you think became a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the religious law said, the one who showed mercy to him, So Jesus said, go and do the same. Now I'm going to go ahead and do a modern twist on the great Samaritan. So we can grasp what Jesus was truly saying to the biblical scholar. A man is fallen with robbers and is left on the edge of an alley near a very busy road. But who happens to pass by This victim, but for my first slide, for my first slide, you guys are with me, right? Captain America. The great Captain America walked past this victim, and the audience automatically knows Captain America will swoop down and take care of this man and take him to the hospital. But he doesn't stop because he's on another mission to save the planet. Then who comes by? A less known hero, Clint Barton. Who is that? Exactly, a lesser known Avenger. (laughs) But still a hero, no doubt. And he also is on an important mission and passes by the victim, uh, half dead and half naked. At this point, Everybody knows who's coming next. 
a regular person named Joe, not to be mistaken with that Joe, a regular Joe, someone nobody knows who just happens to pick this victim up. But this is where the story takes a turn. Jesus spins it on its head. Not only have we have a normal heroes of the story, but who's helping this victim, but who enters the story, but Thanos. And everybody knows Thanos is the villain. The person every hero fights. What is he doing in the story? And what does he do? The audacity of Thanos. I hope I'm saying that right. Thanos, whatever. He picks up the victim, calls an ambulance, and pays the ambulance fee. We all know how much that expensive that is. Like $5,000. Is that, is that right? It's higher. Nick's saying it's higher. Oh, God, help us. With all his medical bills, if there's any testing that needs to happen, and we all know how expensive testing is, Thanos or Thanos will pick up the tab, and this villain becomes a neighbor to this victim. So that's, that's the image I'm trying to get you guys. And this is what Jesus is, when he's talking about the great Samaritan, you're like, the Samaritan, the villain of every story we have, is the hero in this story? So they're all like, what? So I was trying to get a modern spin here so you guys get a good grasp of the story. And it makes sense. In a closed-off community, as the Jewish community would be, using a villain or an outsider as the hero is to demonstrate that neighbor extends beyond just their circle of friends, family, and neighbors. When I, um, when I did a little bit of study abroad in Jerusalem, I, I was able to um, experience a, um, a service in a synagogue. And then everybody walks home. I remember I was walking home with my friend, and there was this little kid who was running, crying, who knew that this would be my future. But he's running and he's crying and he's trying to look for his parents. And he, he's saying something in Hebrew. And, you know, my Hebrew is not that great. Um, and so then this guy picks him up and, and says, what's your name? And he's just crying hysterically. Then he goes to the rabbi and the rabbi is like, oh, I think this is so-and-so's kid. And they, they know where he is. What kind of parents are that? Come on. Abandon their kid like that. This is the first time we see it, right? Jesus was lost for three days. That's right. Child abuse, neglect. Kale's missing for five minutes. We're flipping out. And he's figured out how to open that door. And he's freaking us out. I'm going to have to glue the door shut now. Three days. This must be a terrible community. No. This is a closed-off community. Everybody knows everybody. There's a great deal of trust. So to them, when Jesus says, take care of your neighbor, that makes sense to them. Of course, my, my covenant community. I need to take care of my family. So when he uses this Samaritan, they're like, what? So again, he spins the story on its head. But that was to a specific audience, a Jewish audience. For us, we've now internalized our neighbor is somebody other. 
So uh, someone from another country, someone from somewhere else that we don't understand, or, or somebody completely different from us. And what has happened, I believe, is we forget that our neighbor, believe it or not, can be our spouse. I know, I know, that's a shock. Um, so when he says, love your neighbor, he's saying, will you love your spouse? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, easy, I'll, I'll go a little deeper. I'll demonstrate what that really means. That means when you are looking at porn and stealing intimacy from your spouse, you are not loving your neighbor. Too a little blunt, right? I'm sorry. But we have to, we have to know what, the, what does it mean to love your neighbor? It's just such an elusive, high principle thing. What does that mean? I'm coming down to where we live now, right? Cheap intimacy. Unrealistic fantasy that does not exist. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your spouse or are you stealing intimacy from them? And are you mad at your spouse and you intentionally withhold intimacy from your spouse? Because that's not biblical. Corinthians 7. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about our intentions. Because we are called to love our neighbor. And guess what? That means we have to love our spouse. Not just this guy who's a victim on the road, that's an easy thing for us because we've, we've come so accustomed to the great Samaritan, but it means our close relationships, our spouse. And believe it or not, how we speak to our children matters because our children are our neighbors. I know, I know, it's terrible. I, I try to figure that one out, but no, I can't. It's, we have to treat our kids like we love our neighbors. How we speak to our parents matters because, believe it or not, your parents are your neighbor. How we speak to our sibling matters because, believe it or not, your sibling is your neighbor. Right? Yes. You can't steal his toy. It's powerful stuff, right? It's easy. We get like, oh, yeah, we got to take care of, you know, that, that person who's fallen on the street and is a victim. And no, it's, let's, let's bring it down here. Let's, neighbor means the person next to you. Sometimes sleeping next to you, your spouse or your kids who happen to be sleeping next to you because they're afraid of the dark. Do you love your neighbor? And I'll throw this word out. It's, we've been seeing this word a lot lately in the news. Quid pro quo. Have you been hearing that? Quid pro quo. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, Trump administration and all that great stuff. So um, I won't get into that. But, um, it's, I'll rub your back if you rub my back, right? And that's, 
not in the Bible, believe it or not. I, I, I was blown away by this too. But, but, the, but the great Samaritan, he, he didn't find out that the victim was Bill Gates' son and say, you know what, I'm going to take care of this guy because there's an opportunity here. Bill Gates is going to give me something, maybe a portion of Microsoft. He has $50 billion, last time I checked. He'll give me something. So I'm going to take care of this victim. By the way, I'll take care of his tab. No. There was none of that. Right? We, we sometimes help people because we want something in return. <laughs> All right, it's getting quiet. Don't we? Right? Who's going to help the Faubert's move? Not me. I mean, I don't get anything out of that. I'm all about the quid pro quo. I get Trump. I'm with him. Do we do something expecting something in return? Is that what loving neighbor is? No, 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 no. Right? My friends, I expect something in return from those guys. No, no. Loving your neighbor, paying the tab, and you know what? Maybe the victim, the Samaritan, helped, could turn around and, and sue the Samaritan for helping him out. We're supposed to still love our neighbor, <laughs> right? Uh, this is a, I'm telling you, I've had these good heavy messages just lingering around here. But and we, of course, have to be, we, care, we have to be careful. We're not, God's not calling you to give your mortgage money or your rent money to people. Um, you know, being, of course, practicing balance. But, but are we, the music could come. Are we loving our neighbor with something in return? Right? Or is, can you freely give your time, uh, your money, and love people without expecting anything in return? And the only way you can do this goes right back to my first statement, is, um, is you need to love God, <laughs> okay? Because you cannot do this if you don't love God. You are, you are not that great. You're not that pretty. You're going to get bitter and mad at people. That person who you helped out and loved for five years turns against you and starts blabbing and gossiping against you because it's going to happen. Just, just stick around. If you don't love God, if he's not in the middle of your relationship, that is going to affect your spirit. But if God is in the center of your relationship, that won't matter. You will still love your neighbor. That's why they both have to work that way. You have to love God in order to love others. You can't love your spouse if you do not love God. You can't love your children if you do not love God. They're both related. So this message is kind of goes, it's, a, it's a, the opposite side of a coin. Amen. Do you love your neighbor? We could stand.
Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your kid who's screaming? 